So for your uh, joy this morning, enjoy this. Okay, it just keeps stopping. You good? Yeah, what, what typically um, happens? We did it like wait, I did it like six times before you guys all got here. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. No. Oh, Dad. Yeah, but that's you dragging it. Hang on. Yeah, we could still. <laughs> and the worst, the worst part about like missing that is you, you didn't get to see the the Die Hard Christmas movie clip. Good thing that would go really well. Um, so what I was going to show you is some great moments of, of joy from Christmas movies. Um, Ralphie gets his. Red Rider BB gun, and um, Clark finally gets the... No, the, the, the lights to turn on. No, that's not an appropriate moment in the movie. Um, and then, when Buddy the Elf discovers that Santa is going to be here tomorrow, it's 10 a.m. Great moments of joy. Um, this, however, when the video didn't work, is not a great moment of joy. Um, I don't understand your work like it's done when we're working on this one. Uh, so uh, let's let's pray, and then I want to read the scripture, and then I want to talk about joy. God, thanks for this morning. Um, thanks for uh, the people that you brought here today, Father. Thank you for us uh, allowing allowing us to be together to, to study your word, God. I pray that these moments uh, that we get to be together, Father. We would be drawn into your presence, be drawn into your joy. Uh, God, I pray that it would be more than just uh, a Sunday morning, Father, but we would see and experience and uh, feel your joy as we go from this place this morning. Thank you so much for Jesus who um, reverses our fear and turns it into joy. In his name I pray, amen. Uh, as already been read this morning, uh, Luke 2, 8 through 11, 8. It says, uh, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Reversing Advent means, in some capacity, that Jesus is reversing your fear. He's turning your fear into joy. The word fear is the Greek word phobeo, um, where we get our word phobia from, and it, uh, it, it used, it's used 53 times in the Gospels. 53. 19 of those 53 are uttered by either Christ himself 
or an angel of the Lord. So an angel of the Lord, um, get, you know, halos and wings and clarence off of your mind. That's not what an angel is. An angel is, is, is someone, a heavenly being, sent by God to proclaim a message to a group of people. So ultimately, when we hear an angel speaking, we can basically replace the words of the angel with the words of, of the Lord. So um, the word of the Lord, 19 of the 53 times when fear is mentioned in the Gospels, is negative. And that is, do not fear. In fact, every single time that Jesus uses the word phobeo, he says, don't phobeo, don't fear. Um, so reversing Advent means there's nothing to be afraid of because Jesus is here. Um, I want to say that again because there's an incredible depth to that. Reversing Advent this season means there's nothing to fear because Jesus is here. Um, stop for a minute and think about what it is that's in your world that causes you to be afraid. And then think about what if all of those things that cause you to be afraid were not only gone, they didn't make you afraid anymore, but they, they brought you joy. Um, there was a day when I was in, I think, the second grade, second or third grade, and I went to Walnut Grove Elementary School. And uh, you might, if you've driven down Fortune Road, you've driven by um, Walnut Grove Elementary School. And I walked home with my best friend, Wayne Smith, every day from kindergarten to like the fourth grade when they moved. Uh, this particular day, Wayne and I were walking home, and we decided it would be a great idea to kick a lunchbox back and forth to each other the whole way home. And at this point, this is 1977, 78, something like that. Wow, that guy's old. Um, and so we had metal lunchbox. I had a metal speed racer lunchbox. And we, Wayne and I kicked it back and forth about a mile or so home. Uh, and as we kicked it back and forth, uh, by the time I got, like, we, we spent most of that time walking together, but Wayne lived a couple of blocks away from me, so we'd split up uh, at, at some point. By the time we got there, I picked it up, and I'm walking home with my lunchbox that we had kicked home uh, for almost a full mile. And the, the the hinge of the door that opened was, was not only broken, but like it was gone. And the, the latch that kept the, it, it was there, but it was broken, it, it wouldn't latch anymore. And all of the pictures, all of the Speed Racer, Racer X, all those pic, those pictures were completely scratched off. The lunchbox was effectually ruined. And I, I walked around the corner, my house was on the corner, I walked around the corner, and I, and I picked it up and I'm holding my lunchbox, and I'm freaked out, scared of what's gonna happen to me. Um, at this point, my family didn't have uh, a lot of money to go buy a new lunchbox, and so I knew I was going to be in big trouble. And so what I did was I hid the lunchbox and went up to my room and hid my lunchbox in my closet and tried to forget the fact that I was going to be in deep trouble. And I was really scared. Be one, because I was scared of what was going to happen, but two, because I was 
Like I was the good boy. I didn't do anything wrong. And I had, I was, I was afraid because of who, what kind of terrible little boy would ruin his lunchbox. I was completely disappointed in myself. So I was scared and disappointed in myself. And I spent that night trying to go to sleep, thinking about the next morning, my mom was gonna say, where's your lunchbox? Let me pack your lunch. And I knew that moment was coming and I would have to face my fears and get in deep trouble. I was hopeful that my dad would be gone at that point to work, so it would just be my mom that I needed to be afraid of. But, so I, I lay there in bed, scared of what was gonna happen, but also disappointed in who I knew myself to be. Um, I couldn't think of anything else. Um, and I think that this is the way that we spend a lot of time thinking about our relationship to God. The next morning I woke up and my mom packed my lunch. We taped the lunchbox shut. I took it for the rest of the school year with this taped up lunchbox, but she wasn't really that mad at me. I was a kid. And, but I think we think of that. We lie in bed doing one of two or, or perhaps both of these two things that we're disappointed in ourselves and how could I do something like that? And or thinking that we're going to be in some, some serious, deep trouble. But, but consider this. Jesus came to take all of your fear, everything that you're afraid of, he came to take it from you, and not just take it from you, but replace it with joy. And, and I, I want you to understand that, because we can, we can stop with this idea of, of being afraid, and God came to take our fears away, but he didn't just come to take your fears away, he came to replace it with something better. Joy. Um, I want, want you to look at verse, uh, verse 9, uh, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. This is the second thing that I want to point out for us, is that reversing Advent means that all are welcome, even those that are in the margins. Uh, the shepherds were of the definition of people that are in the margins. They were the social outcasts. They were not valued by society. They were lonely people. Um, and they are the ones that are told to not fear. They are the ones that are invited to the party. Consider that. What reversing Advent means is that the ones that this world doesn't invite to the party are the ones that are invited to the party. Um, because they are the first ones to hear the message of Christ. Um, I want to pick a little bit here. Because when I say in this setting, who that, that Jesus, that God chose to invite those to the party that were in the margins, and that and we, we get to thinking about who did this, this world put in the margins, and, and typically in this place, in this church, we talk about um, the, the groups of people that the church generally puts in the margins. And I think that's where your mind goes. That's where, as I'm like writing this and typing this week, that's where my mind goes. I think of the different 
subcultures that the Christian subculture has pushed to the margins. And you probably are thinking those same, same things right now. And we get angry and upset at the church for pushing those people into the margins. Um, but I want to pick at, at us a little bit. And I want you to think about who you put in the margins. And, and for me, it's probably the people that put the people in the margins that I put in the margins. Right? But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, Jesus came to save those people from their fears and replace their fears with joy. Um, generally speaking, I put people in the margins who don't believe like I believe and don't behave like I behave. And most of the time, it's people that are religious people that I put in the margins. And I get really angry, really frustrated, and, and want to, like, I just get full of angst. Um, but I want you to know, I want you to understand that Jesus came for everyone that's ever been in a margin. And, and all of us are there to some degree. Um, two things I want to say before I move on to the next thing here. Um, you put people in margins that Jesus doesn't. Second thing. All are welcome in the presence of Jesus, including those that you put in the margins. But this is really about Jesus and not about you. That's all that margin talk is just a parenthetical insert to try to apply this idea to ourselves. But this isn't the, the angels breaking in to the night of the shepherds who are in the margins. It's not about who you like and who you don't like. It's about Jesus, not about you. Because Jesus not only doesn't put people in the margins, he puts the people that culture puts in the margins at the front of the line. Like, in, in that, it's reversing that is this is a beautiful picture of, of where I think God is leading our brains for this idea of, of reversing Advent, is that if we're choosing how to establish the kingdom of God, how to announce the arrival of the most incredible human being to ever walk the planet, the God himself in the flesh, if we're choosing how to proclaim the redemption plan of God of all time, we would never choose the middle of the night to, to people that the world considers irrelevant. But that's what Jesus did. That's what, what God chose to do. And, and the idea is that whatever we think is the right thing is probably not. Um, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. What is joy? Um, I did oh, some, some studies, some definition studies, and, and thinking about 
what some smart people that I am think about the definition of joy and have kind of boiled them down to, to three ideas, three statements. Uh, the first one, they're going to be on the screen as well. The first one, joy is an emotion that's acquired by anticipation, acquisition, or expectation of something great or wonderful. Um, this is where it would be cool for me to reference back the three videos that we should have seen, uh, but we didn't. Uh, but like, think of, of, you guys have all seen Christmas Vacation. Think of Clark finally putting the, 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 the extension cords together and his, and his wife flipping the lights on in the garage. And the look on his face is just one of, of joy because he has acquired something great and wonderful. And his family comes out, and his family comes out, and they're all excited. Dad, you did it. It's, this is great. And, and it's been my inclination to think of joy as something much deeper than something as superficial as Christmas lights. But there is, there's an element of, of truth to the joy that's on Clark Griswold's face when he sees this. He, is, he receives an emotion in his being because he beholds something that's really great and wonderful to him. This is joy. Second thing about joy, it's a deeply rooted feeling. In a, see the words emotions and feeling coming through these definitions. Joy is a deeply rooted feeling of being exceedingly happy. It means to be well, to thrive exceedingly. Let that sit with me for a second. Joy means to be well, to thrive exceedingly. And as, as I'm going through these definitions, as you're thinking about these definitions, understand the message of the angel. Don't be afraid. I've got something that's going to bring you great joy. And, and look at those, these definitions here. To thrive exceedingly. And this is great joy. So it's like exceedingly thrive exceedingly. This is what... What the angel came to present. No longer is fear a part of the equation. And in, in its place is this exceeding feeling of happiness and, and thriving. Good news of great joy. This is what it means. The third and last. Joy is an emotion or feeling that you do not control. You can't snap your fingers and decide to feel emotions like joy or sadness. We wish that we could. We try to. But if there's just a dark, heavy sadness to us, it's hard to change that. Right? You, you experience that? I know several of you are dealing with some, some heavy things right now. It's hard to stop feeling sad. The message of Christmas is, I know this is reality, but I have good news of great joy. This is going to bring an emotion in you that, that makes you exceedingly happy. Um, and, and this is the message of Christmas. 
me read through these verses one more time. And in the same region, there were shepherds, those that society placed into the margins, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock, just doing their job. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news here in this passage. Verse 10, I bring you good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it is every other time in Scripture. It's translated as gospel. Around here, around this place, I say that word a whole lot. We want to be a gospel-centered church. I want you to live gospel-saturated lives. I want you to, I want to teach you. Like I feel like the biggest part of my job, being your pastor, is to teach you how to find the gospel in life, and how to find the gospel in the scriptures. Like that's, if I could boil down like the one single pursuit of my life is to lead you all to find the gospel in your life and to find the gospel in the scriptures. I say gospel a lot. And here, in this simple verse, we miss the fact that the gospel is here and we think this is a Christmas verse, and it is, but we think that's all that it is. But this is, a beautiful definition of the gospel. And I want you to see what's happening and who the gospel is brought to in this moment and what they're doing in this moment. It just means good news. And, and so we're confused about what is the gospel. We're confused about what does the gospel mean. We're confused about what do we have to do to get the gospel. We're confused about how the gospel changes us we, or, or maybe what the gospel tells us to go and do. But but look at what is happening, what, what the shepherds are doing when they receive the gospel. And in the same reasons, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel shows up and says, I bring you the gospel. What are they doing? Nothing. The angels come to proclaim the gospel to the shepherds who are doing nothing. Like, that's incredible, right? None of the confusion about what the gospel calls me to do or what the gospel is or any of that stuff is, the, the gospels are just minding their own business, doing their jobs, living their lives when the gospel shows up to them. <coughs> and the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you the gospel. The gospel that brings about great joy. It brings about an emotion that's acquired by anticipation, the acquisition of something great or wonderful, an emotion that's deeply rooted, making you exceedingly happy, making you thrive exceedingly. This is great joy that, that the gospel comes to bring. And then verse 11 is the heart of the gospel. And, and, and look at the action words here in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Like, you do nothing to receive the gospel. You do nothing to be the gospel. The gospel is just news for you. 
And it's news that takes away your fear and replaces it with joy. And what is the news? The news is Christ is here. Think about whatever it is that brings you fear, that brings you stress, that brings you anxiety. The message of, of Christmas is Christ is here. Think about the people that are in the margins of your life. Think about the people that are in the margins that, that the church has placed there. The message is Christ is here. So I think it's good for us to, to place ourselves into the story, but I, I want to tell more about the story. And by the way, the, the first two paragraphs that Travis and Megan read this morning and the first two paragraphs that, that John and Brittany read last week and the first two paragraphs that we read next week and then the week after are, are bringing you this one simple message. The prophets had been silent for 400 years. And God's people were wondering when a new prophet was going to come and tell them how to be, how to think, how to live, and, and show them that God cared for them and loved them. Because in this moment, this historical moment when the angels break free, what's happening for God's people is that they're being oppressed by a, an awful force of, called Rome, and they're brutal. Like, we think that governments today are brutal. This is a brutal government who tortures people so that the people they're trying to oppress will realize that this could be me. And so I'm going to just kind of back away and, and cower to your authority. There's, they're ruled by an oppressive government. There's violence and political unrest. There's class struggle. There's racism everywhere. Think about that. All of the stuff that drives you crazy, all the, all the stuff that the, the elephant and the donkey complain about and fight about, was true here. It's been true forever. Because man is a selfish creature who wants to get for himself at your expense. But Christ breaks into that. These people for 400 years had been searching for a hero. We are searching for a hero. That's why politics matters so much, because we all long for somebody who's going to come and make it all right. You, wherever you are on the political spectrum, you long for somebody who's going to come and make it all right. So you can connect with these people. But God's plan breaks into that and proclaims this message that he wrote that you're longing for is here. The hero that's going to save the world from all that's wrong is, is here. Christ is here. Listen, take this to heart in your moment right now. We live in a broken world. Racism, power struggles, classism, oppression, it's everywhere. It's an American problem. It's a world problem. All of these things are here, and it brings us anxiety and fear. But the message, the reversing Advent message is God's plan is to replace all of that ugly with, with a beautiful, joy-inducing Jesus. The long 
promised hero is here. And that becomes like our, our mission. That's why whenever I say the gospel is your mission, and, and that's going to, our, our series after the first year is going to be about the gospel becoming our mission. That's, that's what this is about, is that we are the angels in our worlds. And our job is to go into the places of where people have placed in the margins and proclaim that the hero is here. This world is broken, but the hero is here. And that's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Advent. That's joy. And again, there's nothing that you need to do. There's nothing that you need to be. That's Jesus. Nothing you need to do, nothing you need to be. Think about, put yourself in the place of the shepherds. Middle of the night, doing your job, and God shows up and says, the hero's here. Nothing that they did, nothing that they were. And they were told to go. Go to Jesus and celebrate. Go to Jesus and celebrate. Like that's 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 your job as as a Christian. Go to Jesus and celebrate. This is Christmas. This is reversing Advent. He is your hero. He's here. Let's celebrate him. Thank you, God, for sending us Jesus. Thank you for bringing us joy. Father, I pray that you would connect our hearts with joy. Father, I pray you would change us to go and, and be, the, be the gospel in our worlds. Thank you so much for Jesus. God, teach us in the season to celebrate Christ in my prayer.